Hi all, welcome to the latest episode of the Fortline Social Podcast. Um, we've got Jack Cattell on today, hope you enjoy it. Hey man, how you doing? How's things? I'm good mate, how are you? I'm okay, I'm doing alright. I'll um, First question, get it out of the way, so hopefully we don't have to talk about it again, but how's your lockdown been? Um, hit and miss, to be honest. It's, it's been one of them, I, th- I think, speaking to a lot of musicians um, that I'm in contact with regularly. It's been one of them where we've kind of had to take stock of what's going on and sort of refocus our energy. Obviously, usually we're doing gigs and, and performing, but um, it's give us it's give us time to sort of reflect on what we've been doing well, what we've been doing not so well, um, and write a few more tunes. And I think that's the way that a lot of people have got through it is just shifting focus from, yeah, playing gigs and performance to creation. Um, and I think we've done that quite well. Um, we've got so many new songs and we've kind of took a bit of a different road um, with some of the music that we've had because we've had more chance to experiment with things. Um, I think we've, we've certainly honed in on our sound now, um, which has been brilliant. So you feel like it's been enough to fill the gap or do you still obviously desperately miss the normal road life? Oh, no. I mean, I wish it hadn't happened. Um, It's just, it's making the best out of a bad situation. I think like, Gigs are our bread and butter. Um, you know, it's what we do, especially us as a band. We we pride ourselves on our performance aspect, um, and we like to put on a show. And that interaction, I feel like people need it. Um, and for people who go to gigs, you know, it, there's nothing else to fill the void. I mean, people can watch as many live performances on YouTube as they want, but there's it's not the same as being there at a gig, you know, sweating to death next to three strangers that you don't know um, who are all within centimetres of each other. You know, nothing compares to that. Yeah, true. Um, Sort of tying into that one, how do you feel, what do you feel the scene is like? Um, like How would you rate it? Do you feel like there's enough there for, you know, between like Birmingham sort of black country and stuff, is there enough are there enough venues, you know, are they the right sizes? Like, how do you feel about the scene? Um, I think, especially in the black country, uh, Wolverhampton and Warsaw, where I'm based at the moment, is, is a bit of a ghost town um, for, for gig venues. I mean, the Civic has kind of gone down the pan a bit. You know, the little Civic's gone. Um, the Wolfram is, you know, no one really knows what's happening in Wolverhampton anymore. Um, there's a new Hampton Arts Centre, but that's, a bit big for some of the bands that are coming out of of Wolves at the moment um, because I think that holds 300 capacity. So, you know, I know Alex Ohm did, um, he sold that out, but again, he's he's a bigger name on our local scene than than some of us. So, you know, I feel like there could be more in the black country, but Birmingham's thriving. Um, Sunflower Lounge, Castle and Falcon, you know, there's, there's so many good venues. The Atchison Bishop we've played as well. There's so many good little venues and then the bigger venues in Birmingham are brilliant as well. So I feel like Birmingham's sort of where people need to be aiming for because they can take you right through from being a starting out artist like we were five years ago to being an established artist to playing places like the O2 and and, uh, the Institute as well. So I feel like Birmingham is where it's at, especially for bands on the Midlands scene if you're not gigging in Birmingham then you're missing out missing out massively but I think I feel like the black country could play catch up with that um, and they should do more to support local 
unsigned and upcoming artists. So do you feel like that's something that is probably going to be the, one of the major losses um, sort of post-COVID lockdown if those places don't survive kind of thing? Oh, it'll be a huge loss, especially to, to bands like like us and where maybe where we were two or three years ago um, when we were just starting out, you know, no, no people would look at us and know who we were. Um, and when you're emailing promoters and stuff, they'd be like, well, how many, how many tickets can you sell? Um, but now people know, know our name a bit more on the local scene. Um, you know, we're trusted with these gigs that, you know, we're going to bring an audience. People know what we, we can deliver as our product. Um, but for, yeah, for bands starting out, it's going to be a massive loss because I'm sure there's plenty of musicians who have been writing music that have never performed live um, in front of audiences and wanted to get into it. And then this has probably just killed their motivation for it, maybe killed their love of it um, because they've never, they've never experienced that, that performance aspect. And if, if all these small venues crash and burn, like a lot of small businesses and local businesses are at the moment due to this, you know, where are they going to be able to start out? And then, the industry kind of starts to die because yeah, you've got that select few that are that are so elite that you can't touch them at the moment. But you know, you're not you're going to have no one coming through, and and that's going to be a massive problem. And I feel like we will feel the effects of this maybe five or ten years down the line. There's going to be less bands than there is today trying to start out and make a name for themselves, which is it's really sad. Yeah, so it's almost like there's going to be a line between those that have had the chance to sort of establish themselves before COVID and then the ones that haven't while this has been going on. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's going to be, like you say, it's going to be one of them where you will see maybe an age gap in between where sort of like our level and the level of a few levels above us will all be of a similar age. And then you might see a gap where, you know, the 17 or 18 year olds that have, started bands out just before COVID, you know, so excited about music and so excited about going out and performing and, you know, trying to get to the levels where the scene is at the moment, you know, maybe they've just give up during lockdown and that's, that's a real shame. So we've been pushing it on social media. I know a lot of other bands have been pushing it as well. You know, this is just an interval at the end of the day. I know it's, it's hard to get through and it's, it's taking a toll on people's mental health, but, don't give up. If, if you've got a passion for music, then things will come back um, and there'll always be places to play and people, hopefully, once this is all over, will be thriving and craving some live entertainment and hopefully we'll see a boom for, for local unsigned music. Well, like you kind of said, um, sort of there, is, there does seem to be that sort of sweet spot when, when you're of a certain age before adult life kind of takes its horrible toll on you and you give up <laughs> those kind of dreams. How did you, how was that for you? Like, how did you get started? Like, did you just know from the get go that that was, that this was the life that you wanted or was it a lot more of a battle than that? Um, I think the, the way I got started with touching back on the mental health front, it was, it was a release. Music was writing and, and, and playing music was was a release for me and I didn't really like talking about that sort of stuff back in the day because it was a bit more taboo than it is now. Um, but yeah, when I was 14, 15, not really knowing what mental health was or, or depression was, um, this was my release. And I think I knew from when I started writing music that I always wanted to to perform and 
and and show people what I can do because I've always had that energy and that that passion and, and music's always spoke to me differently than other things. Um, so it, it's one of them where yeah I've had to work hard for it, but it was the passions there, and I think that that can take you through you know the hard times. So what would you who would you describe as when you were in that phase sort of starting out and it was a release for you with the writing and playing as much as everything um who were your influences then um back then it, it's changed a few years over over time um it's, it has changed quite a bit but back, back when I first started it was sort of acoustic folk um americana sort of style music I listened to a lot of green day back a day as well so you know that punk punk rock scene as well was was twinged in there, but it was more people like Frank Turner, um, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Brian Fallon and the Gaslight Anthem I was massively into as well, and the Kinks. Um, I've loved the Kinks ever since I was little. My first gig was uh, Ray Davis at the Symphony Hall um, back in probably 2001, I think. I was about four. So, you know, I've always had that sort of style of music instilled in me from a young age, and I feel like that does come out in my writing, and it still does come out in my writing. I mean... Our most recent singles kind of come away from the indie vibe a little bit just to showcase that that acoustic side of side of me hasn't gone away. It's still there, but we're just we're just trying to now that I've got the band with me, it's a bit more of a full band sound instead of the acoustic vibe that that once was um when it was just me. Perfect perfect segue into what I was next gonna ask you. Um what prompted that change to go from sort of you acoustically and then to bring a band into the mix. How did that start? I've always wanted a band, to be honest. Um, I just think it gives you more options. It gives you a chance to experiment. It gives you a bigger sound. And um, with the songs I was writing, a lot of them, when I first started writing, were were quite angry songs for for acoustic guitar. It was a bit of a weird a weird vibe that was going on. And um, yeah, I've always wanted a band behind me. I feel like it, you know, you don't, you can't get that sound on your own. You know, I know people have made it on their own, Ned Shearer and Jerry Cinnamon and people like that who play acoustic guitar, but that was never really my ambition. I always wanted to be in a band and even though it's my music, it's, we still got that band feel and that's what I've made sure that we've, we've got with the band. And yeah, I ended up um, recording Good Old Mr. Daniels, which was the massive change that, went to the full this is where I went from being solo to acoustic I recorded the adult life EP and then me and Sam Stringer the producer um we'd put a band on it kind of together I'd played basically all the instruments and then Sam put a drum track on it um and it just added so much life to the music and I felt like once we'd done that there was no way I could go out and perform those songs to that standard on my own and in the band and we've never looked back and it's been a massive step forward for us um it's increased our audience it's got us better gigs um and it's just it's just enhanced the sound so much you know the the three of them bring so much to to the music and you know hopefully the only way is up for us well it sounds like i mean it sounds like it's one of those situations where once you've heard it in its kind of fullest capacity to do it on your own then would be it just sound flat i suppose it wouldn't you'd always know what it could have sounded like rather than how you were doing it at the time. Um, but nuts and bolts wise, how did you go about it? How, how did, what was the process for pulling a band together? So obviously it's something that's going to be quite personal to you in terms of playing your songs. You're going to want to get the right mix, aren't you? Yeah, it was hard. Um, I've had a few sort of 
iterations of the band throughout the years. We we started out getting a bass player and a drummer in. Um, it didn't work out for whatever reason, so I went back to the solo the solo stuff, and then um, it, it all stemmed from good old Mister Daniels. To be honest, you know, we I recorded a music video for that at the Botanist in um, Birmingham, and. I was looking for a double bass player because it, it's got that Johnny Cash sort of vibe, sort of 60s. No, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Old school rock and roll um, vibe. So I thought, well, for, for the music video, I want a double bass. Um, and asked about, and because there's not many double bass players in the area, Ali was the first name and the only name that kept coming back to me from different people that I was asking. So got her down to the music video shoot and then... Um, yeah she was we got on really well um and i just asked her there and then i was just like well we're looking at getting a band together again um i feel like you might be the right person for it so what do you think and she she took about a week to sort of decide she had a lot going on at uni she had a dissertation and stuff um going on at the time so it was probably bad timing from me to, to just drop it on her yeah come and join my band but um she took stock of it for a, for about a week and then came back and she said, um, yeah, I think I, I think I can manage sort of the workload and playing in your band. Um, so we got Ali in first and then Josh came straight after. And then it was one of them where we played as a three piece for a while. Um, but because of what's happened where we haven't been gigging, um, a lot of the demos that I've been recording and writing at home, um, throughout the pandemic have, have needed a lead guitar in it. So luckily when when things were allowed to go back to normal for that short period of time, mm-hmm. we got Anton into doing audition and honestly, he blew, he blew us away. We had about three or four guitarists come down to audition with us and he he just blew everyone else out of the water. We got on really well. Um, he he clearly worked hard to learn all the material that we'd sent him. Um and yeah, he just fit the bill brilliantly. He looks like he's out of McFly, so we, we're still working on that. We're still working on his uh, boy band appearance, but no, he's, he's a phenomenon. And yeah, I can't I can't wait to be back playing full scale gigs, you know, with with the new band and and just get back to what we do best. Well, with that in mind, and obviously we've sort of touched on the scene and how it how it is at the moment and stuff. But where ideally would you want your first gig to be? If you could pick any venue, where would you want to go? God, that is a tricky question, isn't it? Um, I think we we did a show during lockdown with with the Claws, who are obviously massive on the Birmingham scene, probably the best band in the Midlands at the moment. Um, and that was at Glee Club. Obviously, it was socially distanced and that, but you know they could probably pull off the O2 Academy quite easily and sell it out. So if if we could get on a support slot with them, that'd be mad because that gig did so much for us during during lockdown that you know we gained so many followers from just that one gig for 100 people so imagine what that would be like with a few thousand in uh, in a venue with them so and they're lovely lads so it'd just be a perfect gig for us well there you go that, that's the uh, there's there's the audition out there already so there we go um is that how you see it is that where you see the progression coming now is that the more likely avenue do you think so sort of getting on the support um and sort of pushing it through that way. Um, yeah, I think so. I think you know you've got to support these these bigger artists to to get your name out there and and get your promotion sort of organically. But I feel like we want to do a tour as well. You know, we not that we're fed up with playing in the Midlands, but we've played so many shows in the Midlands that 
you know, we want to see how people outside of here would take us. And I feel like there's only so far you can go by playing shows in your local area. Um, and I feel like we've kind of, we've kind of hit that level now where we need to be going national instead of just local. Um, so that's where I see our progression mainly is getting a tour together, um, getting a few venues up and down the country um, and just going out and, and being abandoned, you know, playing at, playing at being a musician for a bit. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it must be, uh, it's been weird having that sort of complete disconnect from everything that you're used to having. Um, and then having to sort of kind of fill it up with other things. Um, but I suppose at the risk of sounding like a job interview, where would you see yourself in sort of five years? <laughs> God, is it an interview? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let you know at the end. We'll contact you in the week, let you know how you been. <laughs> oh, that's never good. <laughs> that's never good. Um, in five years, I think, I think I'd like to be sort of well known across across the country to be honest i think the music that we've created we have a lot of faith in um and i don't think it's it's going to be the music that matters now really i think we the songs are good enough um it's just about expanding our our brand if you will um and our name across the country i think that's what we've got a bit aim to be doing we've got to look to get out across the country and and who knows in five years you know a lot a lot can happen especially in such a such a fast-paced industry like the music industry, you know, um, it only takes one song to one song to take off for you, and and we feel like we've got five or six of those songs. It's just about it's all about us putting in the hard work on social media um, and promotion-wise to to push it to the right people. Hopefully, get some good backing, good contacts, um, and and just see where we can go. I'd like to be selling out shows up and down the country uh, in five years. I think that's what we've got to be aiming to do. So how do you feel? You kind of touched on it there with the social media element. Um, how do you feel with that? Is Do you find the accessibility um, a really good thing that you can kind of drive your own promotion? Or do you feel that it kind of enhances this, I don't know, like disposability of music in a way that it's so easy to sort of pick up and put down different artists or genres or whatever? How do you feel... Is it like a double-edged sword or do you like it? Yeah, you touched upon it there. It is a double-edged sword um, massively because it is so easy to throw away music now. Um, especially with Spotify, you know, there's there's so much out there and there is, which is brilliant. It's brilliant that people are, you know, getting their music out there and, and everyone's got a chance. But it is that disposability that, that kind of annoys me a little bit because you release a song, you've run an ad, ad campaign for a month and then you know, that song's done then, you know, you don't, you don't really come back to it or nothing really happens with it. You know, whereas back a day we'd have, you'd go back to the classic albums. You'd, you'd have like your, your vinyl collection or your CD collection. Um, and you'd go back to those same songs because the, it wouldn't be so much out there. Whereas now you've got a song's probably got a month's life. If you're lucky, um, at our level anyway, you know, the radio will spin out any old shit for, how long, you know, probably two, three months if it stays in the charts or stays relevant on TikTok or something for, for yeah. long enough, you know what I mean? Um, so that is a shame, but, you know, on the other side of that, you've got bands can make it, like I said, bands can make it overnight just through one video going viral or, or you know, one song taking off. And and that's brilliant because it, it gives everyone that chance to sort of say, well, 
if your music's good enough, you know, then people will share it. It might get to the right people. And you can take off that easily now. And there is so much out there and so many people taking that shot that although the disposability of music is there, you know, the chances are there for for people to just organically just go from a nobody or even just from starting out, it might even be your first song. You never know which song's going to make it for you. You know, you could go at it for 10 years and then all of a sudden one track hits that you didn't think would, or it could be your first one that just takes off. You never know. Um, which I think is a good thing. It, it, it gives everyone that equal opportunity and you don't have to necessarily have millions of pounds or thousands and thousands of pounds just banked up or come from the background of money or whatever it gives everyone that that opportunity to just take off which i think is brilliant yeah so the the idea that basically if you're good enough then that's it that's all it is that's it's enough just to be good enough um how do you feel about so it's a random question but would you rather have um say like a dedicated hardcore group of followers that you know like you say come away from that disposable element you know they've got your your vinyl cds all that sort of stuff but maybe you don't reach as many or you have that one sort of breakthrough single that goes and caters to millions like which, which way would you want to go i mean does it matter to you in that sense that maybe it's not your best work that got picked up and you went off and you were you know multi-millionaires off the back of it or would you prefer that sort of closer that is a really good question i think every band would probably answer it in a similar way that um, for us, our aim is to to make enough money for this to be our job. You know, we, we want to, we want this to be our living. We want this to be our career. It's not just, oh, well, we, en- we enjoy doing it. So we're just going to do this for fun. We do enjoy it and, and it is fun, but, you know, this is what we want as our jobs. And I'd take being having a dedicated audience that come and watch you and sell out your shows all over the country to that fickle audience. But, you know, we, we've got aspirations. And at the end of the day, I say on every podcast that I do when I'm answered a similar, when I'm asked a similar question is that, you know, we want to be the best band that we can be, whether that means being the best band in the world, whether that means being the best band in our local area, in the country, whatever it may be, you know, we want to be the best and, I think that's what every young musician, old musician, no matter where you are on the scale, you should want to be the best band in the world. You should want to be the best in your field. And as long as you're, you've got that mentality, then you're going to be producing your best work. But if you're, if you're happy with being sort of mediocre, then maybe you'll, maybe you'll slack off. Maybe you won't put in the effort that you need to do. Um, And you know, it's, it's, it's up to different people, but that's that's our mentality. We want to be the best, and um, we've got a long way to go to be that. Um, but we know full well that because of that mentality, we're working as hard as we can, um, and hopefully that will generate the fan base that's that's dedicated and loyal. And if if it was that one of our songs did take off, like you've mentioned, um, then hopefully that dedicated fan base would still stick around. And if it was just a one hit wonder, we'd still have that that dedication of a certain group of fans that would still come and watch us. And that's what we want. We want people who are going to stick by us, enjoy our music and, and just come and support. And that's all, all you can ask from people. Awesome. So to put it in a kind of not, 
not to re-ask the same question again, but um, obviously we've talked about your influence influences sort of as you started out. Um, but what kind of bands would you, I mean, if it's changed completely, what kind of bands are you influenced by now? But also who would you want to emulate? Like, where would you ideally want to see yourself? Like what band? I mean, it can be about the music that they put out or the level of success that they've had or whatever. So I think at the moment um, I listen to a lot of Blossoms, Tom Grennan, um, Arctic Monkeys, no, just a lot of indie music at the moment, to be honest. Um, I've still got my, my roots back from like Chuck Berry. Um, Johnny Cash is still there. But I think maybe a band like Blossoms or or Tom Grennan, you know, that they've kind of gone about it slowly but surely. They've just built up, you know, this image of themselves. And I feel like that's, that's a good way to go. And Frank Turner's another one. You know, he's a bit more less uh, less known than maybe maybe Tom Grennan or um, sort of Arctic Monkeys or Blossoms or someone, but he had to do the hard work and, you know, he he's one that's stuck at it, stayed dedicated, um, kept producing, you know, been so consistent over the years and that that's what inspires us because we know that, we know how hard it's going to be to just take off overnight. You know, we know that it's going to be hard work, but but we're up for the task and I think... That's what you've got to be. You've got to be consistent, persistent, and just determined to to make the best music that you can. Well, touching on Frank Turner again, um, my colleague interviewed him uh, for our podcast the other week, and he's sort of at the position now where he's moving into other sides, so he's sort of producing for various bands and stuff like that. Does that side of it interest you as much? Is that something that you can kind of see yourself doing at some point or is it you, know, you strictly more the playing side than anything else? Um, I think, I think if we got to his sort of level, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to take a role of sort of a production role. I mean, I don't really know what I'm doing in terms of all the equipment, but I'm sure that maybe like co-producing or something, it'd be really interesting because you get, you get someone else's product and you can, put your ideas on it and yeah, maybe show them a few things that they don't know or or they can show you things that, that you don't know. And I feel like that's a good way to expand expand what you do. Maybe they've got a different way of songwriting to you or maybe they've got a different way of playing guitar to you or, you know, you can always learn from different people and that's what we've tried to do throughout the years, especially on songwriting. You know, I've watched so many YouTube videos of, of people that I look up to have gone through their songwriting process and then you can try and replicate that and, and test out the tips that they've put in to try and, yeah, produce better work or or just even try something new to maybe keep that creation coming and not get stuck in the same mould. And I feel like that's what you've got to do. I feel like you've got to evolve with the times and, yeah, music, your music taste does change over the years and you shouldn't be stuck in a mould of, oh, well, this worked for us, so... This is what we're going to stick to. And the Arctic Monkeys are a brilliant example of that, aren't they? I mean, yeah. when they bought out, um, you know, my mind's gone blank, but the Casino album. Oh, my God. Why am I drawing a blank on it? Anyway, when the, when the Arctic Monkeys bought out that album, everyone knows which album I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, tranquility, yes. tranquility base, you know, there you go. Why, That's it, yeah. blank on that. <laughs> um, when I bought that album, everyone hated it. And I, for one, loved it. 
I thought the songwriting on it was just different level to what they'd been writing before. Um, and I feel like that's not done enough in music. I feel like taking that risk of going, okay, well, my writing's changed slightly, so we're going to release this. And then maybe we'll go back to what we did before, or maybe we won't, maybe we'll change again. You know, it's, it's all about evolution, especially through the years, you know, circumstances change and you write about different things. And I feel like that's one thing we're doing brilliantly at the moment is we've got so many different songs that not one song sounds exactly the same as another. Um, and I, I think that's a brilliant thing. Speaking of sort of putting your own sort of life and experiences into a song, um, London Town, that's obviously a very personal song. Yeah. Um, talk us through that. How's, you know, how does that start from the inspirations of the events to getting the song there? Like, how does that, how does that go? So that one, that one was relatively quick, to be honest. Um, that I think it took me about 20 minutes and with, with how stripped back the song is on the recording, it didn't take much in, in the studio either. Um, so yeah, it's obviously about personal events in my life and, and my girlfriend sort of going from, you know, the, the relationship that we had to more long distance. Um, and yeah, so she went down to London. I came back home after dropping her off. Um, and then the song just kind of fell, fell out of somewhere, to be honest. It just, it just happened. It was just, it was just so easy. And it was from watching, I've said, I've said it on, uh, I think it was with Happy People that I mentioned it. Um, I was watching Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais show on Netflix. Um, and there's a line in that, that he says, I'd rather be nowhere with her than anywhere else or something like that. And then I just thought that is a brilliant line. And hopefully he won't sue me. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure he's got plenty of other things on his mind at the moment. Yeah. I'm sure he's pretty busy. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I I think he might be. I don't think he knows who I am yet. Um, but, but Ricky, if you're watching, I'm, I'm really sorry. You can have some credit for it if you want. If you give it a share, then maybe I'll give you some credit. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it just got, it just kind of happened that one. It was, it's one of them, them songs that, yeah, it just comes, it comes together nicely. And sometimes you'll get, you'll get songs that you work on for three or four weeks that still aren't finished. And then other times you'll get gems like that that just fall together in 15 minutes, nice and simple. Um, and I feel like the lyrics really drive that one. I feel like we didn't have to do much to it in terms of production. It was just the lyrics are so powerful, so meaningful that let's just put this out as an acoustic acoustic number and, and see what people think and, and people have loved it. Yeah, I think you can definitely tell it's got that sort of honest tone to it that you you know it's actually been experienced. It's not just pulling together like a you know a, a sound cloud of different words to just go that sums up that feeling kind of nicely. Um, you can yeah. feel that youth coming through it. Now, how do you feel that's different to what do you do you do much writing with the band as an entity, like all of you chipping in kind of thing, or do you bring something near enough complete to the table? Um, we haven't really before. I feel like the pandemic again is has opened up some some avenues into that um but a lot of it is i've I've got plenty of songs and and we'll take those songs into a rehearsal ali will put a bass line to it josh will put a drum a drum beat on it and anton will, will try out some stuff with lead guitar but i think with me and anton we've got um sometimes i'll come with complete lead guitar ideas and just say oh, right this sounds good play this and sometimes he'll go well 
no, I think that sounds dreadful. How about this? And then we'll, so we've got that bit of, bit of a connection where, yeah, Anton plays lead and I, I'm still playing guitar. So I've got ideas, he's got ideas. And it's similar with bass as well because I used to be a bass player back, back in the day. Um, so a lot of my ideas still stem from bass lines. Um, whereas drums, I have, I have no idea. So I just basically go, Josh, put a drum beat on this and, and see what you can come up with. But we have started writing a few songs. Um, me and Anton have, have wrote a few during, during lockdown. Um, and Ali sent me over some bass lines to get, get some ideas from. Um, so we're still working on that and yeah, trying to bring the band into the right. And it's nice. It, it takes a bit of the pressure off. Um, but I don't, I don't mind that. I love, I love writing and I love creating, but you know, when you've got three other people sending you ideas, it, it sparks the creation even more. And if you're having an off week and off month where you've got a bit of writer's block, um, struggling to struggling to create, it always helps having someone sort of tapping you on the shoulder and going, well, I've got this, sort yourself out and, and get some lyrics down to that and see what you can do. Awesome. It's nice to, that you've got that feel of kind of a, you know, mid, meeting ground of ideas when it comes to it. And as you say, it's something that can pull you out if you are, are having a bit of a sort of a writer's block kind of a thing. Um, so slightly daft question, but is there like a guilty pleasure? Is there a band that you love listening to that you kind of feel like you shouldn't or that you wouldn't necessarily be like, you know, if you know that somebody's coming in and you're like, oh, Christ, I'll just turn that over, put, put turn that down or something? Uh, I wouldn't say guilty pleasures necessarily, but pe- people would, would probably frown upon some of the some of the, <laughs> some of of the the tunes I listen to. Um, Harry Styles recently, to be honest, his, his album was was brilliant and... I, was, I did feel very guilty for liking it at the start, but I think a lot of people have kind of their opinions on Harry Styles and One Direction days are very separate now um, because he's just he's just smashed it since he's gone solo. I feel like his stuff is some of his stuff is very early stuff, um, like Sign of the Times was very Bowie, um, and he was sort of going down that road, and then it's just really good music. It, it's really catchy. It sounds brilliant and it's not your conventional pop music, I don't think. It's not yeah. sort of, oh, well, I'm in love with so-and-so, they don't love me or, you know, that sort of style of music which is just reproduced and overproduced. So I'd say Harry Styles is up there um, and I don't know why this is classed as a guilty pleasure because I think they're one of the best bands to ever do it. I get it a lot and I see a lot on social media that people's guilty pleasure is ABBA. I don't get that as a guilty pleasure. I just think ABBA are brilliant. Like, and everyone knows that. Yeah, it's a weird one because like everybody's supposed to, I think there's certain genres or certain bands that everybody feels that they they get a kick out of like looking down their nose at it. And I suppose disco fitted into that category, but you, to, to call it ABBA disco, I think does them like a massive disservice. Oh yeah, it does. They're, they've got so many other brilliant songs, like winner takes it all. That's not disco at all, is it? But that is one of their best songs. And yeah, I love ABBA. I'm, that is not a guilty pleasure at all, but some people have said to me before that I should be guilty of liking ABBA, but I think yeah. Yeah, I'm probably pulling the wrong, but it, I think they got like seven number ones in the seventies. So you can't really knock a band that I was, I was, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's because it's such a mass appeal and it's so yeah. sort of mainstream. Everybody thinks, well, no, you can't really like something that's that mainstream, but obviously it only gets to be mainstream because 
load of people like it. That's kind of well, yeah, for sure. And if you if you don't like ABBA, then you know sort your life out. Go and listen to the ABBA Gold Collection, or just go and find some good ABBA tunes. You know, there's plenty out there. We're talking about the seventies, and obviously you've mentioned your sort of Chuck Berry and Johnny Cash influences. If put a gun to your head and you had to pick a decade of music that you would only listen to music from that decade, where would you go? That's tricky. I think it'd be 60s or 70s. Um, that sort of it. Mm. 60s or 70s, so I'll probably, I'll probably say 70s. Shall I, I don't think I could even answer it, but I've just, we share, like, Johnny Cash and, like, Ray Charles and stuff would probably push me more towards the 60s, I think. But then I only yeah, get... Little Richard as well. Is, yeah. I know he's just recently passed, but, you know... Li- he was, he was just an incredible, incredible artist. Right, well, that's pretty much where we've got to. Um, I think I've gone through everything. So unless you want to say something about what you're doing next, if you've got, um, I know that you've got some gigs in April. Yeah, so fingers crossed if everything if everything is back open um, by April, then we're going to be doing a show at the Castle and Falcon in Birmingham. Um, again, it's going to be socially distanced, but... Fingers crossed Boris will open all the pubs up by April and uh, even if it's socially distanced, we can do it. Um, the candid show that we had booked in for November at the Dark Horse in Mosley, uh, that's been rescheduled um, for a date in May. I'm not too sure of which which date I'm on yet, but um, should be supporting candid in, in May. And then because of lockdown, we've, we haven't really got much recorded at the moment, but as soon as the studios are back, we're going to be back to band recordings. Um, and me and Sam, the producer, have been working on a home recorded EP, which is a bit, a little bit different um, to what we've been doing um, with the band. So we're going to be releasing a physical EP. Um, it's not going to be on Spotify or anything, um, but it's piano versions of songs that you know and some brand new songs as well. So hopefully that will be coming out at the end of this month um, or the start of March. So just keep an eye on our social media and I'm sure you'll see the promo campaigns for that. Awesome. Well, that sounds brilliant. Well, um, that's great. So guys, that was Jack Cattell. And um, as we say, touch wood, if we get all the pubs and everything, all the venues back reopened, then obviously there'll be something to check out come April. Perfect, mate. Right, well, we'll wrap it there, I think. But that, that was uh, that was brilliant. Nice one. Nice one. Well, really yeah, appreciate fingers that, crossed man. we'll get to come and see you at some point when it's... Uh, Fingers crossed it'll be this year, eh? Yeah, I'll tell you what, man, if it doesn't, right, because I'm a, I'm a pub manager normally, that's what my job yeah. is. Um, and I, I haven't been in work since November. So it's uh, it's crazy. Can't I mean, luckily I've got this sort of stuff to kind of keep me busy, but other yeah. than that, it's been crazy to be off for this long. Well, they're touting May, aren't they? They've said um, that apparently that's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at opening pubs back in May and then just have no curfew. So... Fingers well, crossed the they'll, they'll vaccinate enough people. Well, I'd, it'd be great if we could open with more normality because I think they tracked it that we had 63 changes in um, like recommendations, conditions or whatever it is you want to call it. And like tracking those at the pub every time you had to do something different was a nightmare. So it'd be nice to be able to just go in, open, normal and just get back to going to gigs and stuff. Yeah, it's impossible to keep up with though, isn't it? They change the goalposts every five seconds. So I, I don't envy you there. That is just it's ridiculous. Like it has stick been, to yeah. the rules, man. Like and then we'd be back to normal by now. But who are we to say? Eh? Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Do we? we just do as we're told. 
Yeah, pretty much. Your head, but thank you very much for that, man. That was perfect. Right. No worries, man. Nice, nice speech. Cheers, soon. Yeah, good speech, right. mate. Cheers. Bye bye.